Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. I'm about to preach a word. Anybody ready to hear it? Who has your Bibles? Hold them up. Let me see them. Mm, I love it. All these people part of the Ugly Bible Club. We don't want pretty Bibles. We want ugly Bibles because that means you're using them. You even got a desk there that you can use, you can pull out. That's the fun part about being in the school. And if you're here or online and you say, man, I don't have my Bible. I got my cell phone. Hold up your cell phone. Let me see it. Hold it up. Good. All right. You can use the Cool Church app. How many of y'all got the Cool Church app? Make some noise. We got over 2,000 people that have downloaded the Cool Church app and they use it and we just updated it so it's better than ever. Your Bible's on there. Where we're reading in our scripture each and every day is on there. The cool worship playlist is on there. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, but And also the notes for the message are on there. So if you don't have a notebook to write, all the notes, everything that I'm going to say is right on here for you. All you got to do is fill in the blanks. It's really awesome. But I also encourage all my cell phone users to get a Bible because it's really hard to cast out a demon with an iPhone. What do you do if your battery dies? You're dead. Okay, so get this and you're okay. I bind you in the name of, wait, I need a charger. Yeah, that don't work. So you get that. Okay. If you got your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 3. They're the signature verses for this series, Among the Wolves. But I want you to to really, really be ready to go right to Matthew 5, chapter 8, okay? Excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So it's Luke 10, 1 through 3. It'll come up on the screens. And then right after that, we'll read Matthew 5, 8. So Luke 10, 1 through 3, reads something like this. After the Lord appointed 72 others, he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. I love Jesus because when he calls us to be a disciple, he's truthful with us. He doesn't tell us this is going to be easy. He says, I'm sending you as prey for a predator. I'm sending you as lamb amongst wolves. But I love being a lamb because I know where there is a lamb, there is a shepherd. And I love the good shepherd because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thine are with me for thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And I've said this before, a rod and a staff will be comfort to me, but they are terrifying to a wolf that would try to get me. I have a shepherd that has my back. So I'm proud to be a sheep. I'm proud to be a disciple. And we've been learning about different discipleship principles um, throughout the weeks um, coming from the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is Jesus' pinnacle sermon. He comes out the gate and there's not ever been a sermon that has been better preached than this one. And he gives us all of these characteristics as a disciple and he starts in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. They're really scriptures that should help you adjust your attitude as a disciple and a follow, follower of Jesus. And Matthew 5, 8 is special in the Beatitudes and it reads like this. And this is the final uh, chapter in our Among the Wolves series and you'll understand why. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the church said, if you're taking notes on this last discipleship principle, number seven, you can title it this, a disciple seeks holiness. They seek holiness. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day to youth made God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here. God, you're not surprised that they showed up to Miramar High on a Sunday morning. And God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive 
to a word that's always going to be about Jesus. May I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. God, may you introduce yourself to somebody that has never known you before. And for the ones that have, I pray for a reintroduction. But it won't just be an introduction, God. It will be a meeting that will change them forever. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody set. Everybody set. Take about five seconds to give Jesus Christ a shout of praise. Come on. Thank y'all. Don't go too far, but thank you. Y'all give it up for the band one time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is a special beatitude of all the beatitudes. It finds itself in the center of the beatitudes. The first five beatitudes lead into it, and the last two flow from it. It changes the language of the beatitudes that you read before it that are its precursor, but the Beatitudes that flow from it begin to speak the same language. It's, it's kingdom language, it's heavenly language. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, I believe that this one's different because the promise attached to this blessing is very different from the other ones. You know, others say you'll inherit the kingdom of heaven, things like that. But this one says you will see God. There is no other beatitude that promises that we'll be able to see God. In ancient Greek, the phrase pure of heart, it speaks to three different ideas that all flow along the same path. It speaks about straightness, honesty, clarity. Straightness, honesty, and clarity. And what I want you to understand about a person that is pure of heart as it pertains to straightness, honesty, and clarity, how you live, if you get nothing else, listen to what I'm saying, how you live will determine how you see. How you live will determine how you see. So in essence, Holiness is a straight and honest way of living that affects the clarity of your vision. I'll say it again because that's a lot of process. We're going to break that down. But how you live will determine how you see. So holiness, which is what we're talking about today, is a straight and honest way of living that affects the clarity of your vision. I want to lean into holiness today because oftentimes preachers like myself, young generation preachers, we preach a lot about grace, not enough about holiness. Holiness speaks to a right way of living. There's a right way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So I don't want to live the way that seems right to a man. I want to live the way that is right to God. I don't want to live my truth. I want to live the truth. If I live my truth, I am my own God. I am the center of my own universe. I am not the center of the universe. I'm glad I'm not God. And you should be glad I'm not God. Because if I was God, I'd be a terrible God. I would strike you down for cutting me off on the highway. I would open up the ceiling and allow lightning to pierce your soul if you stood in the 10 items or less line with 11 items and you are in front of me. I would be a bad God. Because there's a way that seems right to me, but it's wrong to him. God is a great God. And he's not just a great God, he's the one and only true God. And I love God, but I love that he gives us this right way of living 
call holiness so that we start to worship less of ourselves and more of him. Because we realize that if we are the center of our own universe, we are sadly mistaken because he is the God of the universe. How you live will determine how you see. So holiness is a straight and honest way of living that affects the clarity of your vision. Here's what I found, though. There are people that cannot see God clearly right now, and it has nothing to do with how well your eyes work. There's people that can't see God, and there's nothing wrong with your eyes. It's a heart issue. I got to say that again because I, I need people, I need, I need for that to resonate in somebody's spirit. You know, I've never seen God before. I, I have, I have never seen the face of God for no man shall look upon his face and live but I see God in everything I never seen God if you can't see God it's not your vision it's your heart it's not your vision it's your heart like like you might say I can't see God in my struggle is your heart's desire to live easy or to live holy I can't See God in my finances. Is your heart's desire to gain more or give more? I can't see God in my marriage. Is your heart's desire to be right or to be happy? Some of y'all are sacrificing your marriages because you want to be right so bad. She left you. Was right worth it? He left you. Was right worth it? You want to be right? Or you want to be? You can't see God in your job. Is your heart's desire to slave others out or to serve them? Some people like getting positions. They want to climb up the ladder so they can lord it over people instead of serve them. I might be the senior pastor of this church, but that also makes me the senior servant of this church. I'm not here to push you down. I'm here to lift you up. Can't see God in your purpose? Is your heart's desire your will or God's will? Some of us cannot see God today. It has nothing to do with your eyes and everything to do with your heart because your heart condition will determine your spiritual vision. Hear me today as I'm preaching on holiness. In other, in other words, holiness changes the way you see. Holiness changes the way you see. You see, the longer you pursue God, the more you should begin to see things differently. It's this beautiful process that I like to talk about called sanctification. Sanctification is at the core of holiness because sanctification says, I'm not going to be who I was. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I'm no longer going to be Terrence Wilson. I want to be more like Jesus. You see, one day in every believer's life, they have a rebirth day. They are born again. And you know what they do? They repent. They are walking one way in sin. Sin literally means to miss the mark. So you're walking one way, but it's the wrong way. You're missing the mark that has been set out for you. But then one day you repent, which means to turn away from. You turn away from your sins and you turn towards Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And you continually walk towards him all the way until he calls you home. And this process or this journey from repentance all the way to heaven is called sanctification. It's a beautiful process because it only ends when you're done on the earth. You cannot be sanctified so much as to where you have to stop being sanctified. Like, like we get to this like levels of believers and I get it. Some of us have loved Jesus and been with Jesus longer than others, but some of us use our sanctification to even enslave others. Because we want to say that we've been there, we've done that. And because you've been there and done that, you cannot learn, you refuse to learn, but you choose to use what you have learned to push others down rather than to pull others up. 
Sanctification is a beautiful thing because if it's actually being done right, it should humble you to know how much you actually don't know about God. My position of the pastor does not make me haughty, does not make me walk around and feel like I know more than everybody else. If anything, I always feel like I'm not even worthy to stand here and preach this to you because I know me. I'm like, God, I can't believe you got me up here again. Do you, like, I know you know me because you made me, but do you know me? The process of sanctification continually is a humbling process in my spirit. That's why I always say, because every one of us, no matter where we are on the journey, should continue to grow. But that's why I always say, come as you are, don't stay that way. I'm so, so one, of my, one of my pastor friends, you know, pastors like to send encouraging messages to each other before they preach. They're like, kill it today, da, 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 da. But they usually send notes like that. But he sent me one this morning. Uh, Pastor Jimmy Rollins, I love him to death, man. He's, he's my dude. He sent me a message. He says, remember who you were 10 years ago. I read that and I stopped reading the rest of the message. I said, thank God I'm not who I was 10 years ago. Thank God I'm not who I was yesterday. Like, thank God I am continually growing in Christ and I just want to be more and more like him. If we take the time to remember what God saved us from, it will humble us on this journey, man. Some of us, we get saved and we forget what God saved us from. And we walk around with our chin up, chest out, shoulders back, looking down upon people. I got news for you. Before you were you, you were them. Stop judging people. Before you were you, you were them. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That should be the song of your heart at all times because it's a humbling song. This is the process of sanctification. The way I saw things before Jesus is totally different than the way that I see things now. So yeah, I came one way, but I'm not that way anymore. Why? Because I see things differently. Like people, people like right now, like they get offended when they hear you've changed. You hate when people tell you that. No, I ain't. I'm the same. Stop it. That's bad theology. You can't be the same. The only person that's the same is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know why he's the same? Because he's perfect. He had to change nothing. Perfection doesn't change. Messed up people do. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so he stayed the same. Me, because I'm not perfect, I'm walking a process of sanctification that says I'm being perfected. But I'm going to be perfected until Jesus Christ calls me home. I will never be perfect. So when people tell me, T, you ain't the same, I say thank you. <laughs> Man, you don't talk the way you used to talk. Remember how you were back in the day? You will pop off at anybody. I, I ain't like that no more. Thank you, though, for noticing. You walk in the room, man, like, you just, you ain't the same dude you used to be, man. Like, you ain't, you ain't as fun as you used to be. See, here's the problem with that. What's your definition of fun? I'm fun. That stuff you doing ain't fun. Because I know where that stuff leads. Like, I, I think we get this, like, let me just help some, some folks that, like, are really trying to find Jesus out there today. Like, you, you, like, you think you got to, like, become a Christian and become boring. Like, you ever hung around the Wilsons? We turn up. But I don't have to do what y'all doing to have fun. My fun is defined differently than yours. I could be, I could be the life of a party while doing things that give life and not take life away. You ain't fun no more. Strip club was your definition of fun? That's abuse. Some cases it's trafficking. It's vulgar, it's vile. 
And it's stupid. You work all week <laughs> to make it rain. And when it's time to pay your bills, you can only make it drizzle. I love how ladies getting hyped like they don't go too. Hey, I'll be nicer next week. Come back next week. I promise. Somebody say, it's expensive. <laughs> Stupidity can be expensive. Cost you more to learn. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> you've changed thank you because that's what holiness means holiness literally means to set apart I'm not like you I don't do what I used to do I'm a son or a daughter of the most I won't be caught dead in that place matter of fact I won't be caught alive in that place I'm holy I'm holy not because of my actions, but because of the actions that I've accepted by Jesus Christ. His holiness is on me. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus and the blood covering me. I'm not righteous. My righteousness is filthy rags. But the blood of Jesus on me, it changes how God sees me. So I love once again, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But us, we need to actively be working on change each and every day. Because the truth of the heart, the truth of the matter is, the condition of your heart will determine your experience with God. Some of you cannot see God because the condition of your heart does not allow you to experience him. So with that in mind, I have two very important questions for y'all, and we can go. And the first is this. How's your heart? Can't even talk about holiness unless we understand how your heart is. How's your heart? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's stop at blessed at the pure in heart. Let's focus on the pure in heart. Jesus cares solely about the condition of your heart. I want to say that for all these people trying to act their way into heaven. Not everybody that cries, Lord, Lord. Nah, you know the rest of the verse. I ain't even got to say it. Jesus cares about the condition of your heart. The word heart in the Greek is cardia. Sounds familiar? You ever heard cardiovascular? Right? That's, that's the, the, the Greek word uh, 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 gives us the root for the medical terminology that we use surrounding the heart. So cardia is the word in the Greek, but it does not, when it's used in a biblical reference, does not refer to the physical organ. It is used figuratively in scripture to refer to the seat and the center of human life. The heart is the seat and the center of human life. The heart is the seat and the center of human life. Let me ask you this, who's sitting in the center of your heart? See, I love, and this is why I love Jesus. Jesus is a king. Kings have thrones. He has a throne in heaven that belongs to him. But Jesus is also a gentleman. He's a king. He could take your throne of your heart by force, but he doesn't. Jesus only sits on the thrones of your heart that he is invited to sit in. Jesus is not going to take it from you because if he did, you wouldn't have this beautiful thing that we all have called free will. I love that we get to choose to love Jesus. I even love the fact that we get to choose not to because we have a choice. We have an actual choice. Who's sitting on the seat of your heart? We all got to do a heart check because Jesus is less concerned with your physical heart and more concerned with your spiritual center. But this is what humans do. Humans take spiritual things and try to put them in the context of physical things so we can understand them. The problem with putting something in the context of a physical thing, when it's a spiritual thing, when it's a physical thing, you can compare it to other physical things you've seen. This is what we do. Humans like to make things physical 
because now it makes it easy to compare. And I don't care who you are or how long you have loved Jesus, at one point or another, you have compared what you have to what somebody else has. It's what we do. We compare because we want to see or perceive what we believe is better based upon what we see. Some of us look at our bodies. I'm going to call everybody. We all got our post-quarantine bodies. We outside. <laughs> and I ain't going to lie, it was hard for me to look on the gram during quarantine. Because I'm like, I'm looking at people in shape like, yeah, quarantine fit. I'm like, sit down. I was eating chicken nuggets and cheeseburgers during quarantine. I wasn't quarantine fit. I was quarantine fat. But I'm looking at people. I'm like, yo, I got a six-pack in quarantine. All I got is a six-pack of nuggets. Why? Because that's what we do, especially in this social media generation where these things are in our faces all times consuming our vision. We look and we compare. We compare. You go to somebody's house or maybe you're still doing Zoom meetings. Don't you be looking at people's backgrounds? <laughs> you don't even be looking at the person no more. You be like, let me see what's in there. Oh, they got a nice kitchen. Oh, I like their library. Ooh. <laughs> Act like you don't do that. Try and make me seem like I'm the only one that ain't saved. Or you go to somebody's house and you look at it and you start, like, like you love your place, you love your apartment, you love this. Then you go to somebody else's joint, you be like, look at this here. Wish I had something like this. How much that have In this market? What we do? We compare. And then we're not thankful for what we got because we're comparing it to what somebody else has. That's what we do in the physical. But we don't just do this outside. We do it in church, too. Look at how loud they pray. Oh, you, you could tell God hear their prayers. What, he don't hear yours? The, 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 how loud your prayer is has no significance on how, how well God hears it. Like, I pray loud because I'm a loud person. <laughs> has nothing to do on it. God, can you hear me up there? If he speaks with a still, small voice, don't you think he can hear one? Some people, they look at the person that's always in church serving. Oh, they must be saved. Mm. Look at them. They on every team. Lord, I just skid in here by the skin of my pants. Lord, I know I was at the club last night, but I see owners serving every week. And you begin to judge and put yourself in a place beneath other people because you are comparing what they do to what you do but we don't even just do this with, with things like church we do this with sin you start feeling better about yourself I ain't kill nobody I, at least I ain't cheat on my wife but you addicted to porn I ain't steal her man, but you gossip all the time. You always up in everybody's business, but you feel better because you ain't do what she did. You talk, you talking about what she did is just as bad as what she did. Because it ain't your business. We, we put this, this levels of sin thing on and we feel better because we've compared what we have done to what others have done and if what we think others have done is worse than what we've done it makes us feel better about ourselves this is all foolishness as it pertains to what the bible is telling us because if you're not careful you can compare yourself to something that you see and not even realize that the stuff that no one can see is all jacked up you see this was the problem with the Pharisees that Jesus had to address. And he did it so many times. One instance in particular, Jesus was talking about the washing of hands. Look what he says in Matthew 15, uh, 17 through 20. It says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart. These defile them. Verse 19, 
for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, comes murder, comes adultery, comes sexual immorality, comes theft, comes false testimony, comes slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now, I'm sure if Jesus was standing here right now, he would say that the disciples were nasty and unsanitary, but the way they ate had no effect on their heart. He was more concerned with the Pharisees that were judging them for eating without washing their hands. And once again, if you are doing that, that is gross. <laughs> like wash them with hot water and soap and scrub. Five, okay, all right. Wash them. Might be unsanitary, but Jesus wasn't concerned with their hands because how many of you know that you can have the cleanest hands and have the filthiest heart? I don't want clean hands and a rotten heart. Like your hands clean and you literally dying on the inside. This is what the Pharisees were. You see, I love the phrase pure in heart because what the Pharisees failed to see that it is not what is on the outside that makes us clean. It is what is on the inside. This is why holiness is important because I don't care if you put on your suit and tie today or your nicest dress, you can still have a heart issue. Like you, hey, I'm looking at y'all. You look, you look great. You look beautiful. But if we all had x-ray vision and I'm not talking about the kind where we can see your bones, I'm talking about the kind where we can see your soul, what would you really look like? I know some beautiful people that are really ugly. Because it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. See, the pure in heart, we understand. There's not enough I could do on the outside to make it right. There's no amount of work I can do to make it right. What I love about the pure in heart, because they know they have sinned, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the pure of heart are aware of their sin and they know that it is only the blood of Jesus that can cleanse them. Some of us are walking around not only blind, we are unaware. I love standing next to Jesus because it makes me aware of how short I have fallen. All have fallen short. If Jesus is perfection and my life is supposed to be a mirror and reflect his, I love getting in his scripture. I love putting my life up and stacking my life up next to his. The problem is you're stacking your life up next to your neighbor when you should be stacking it up next to your savior. If you, if you stack your life up next to your savior, you will see how much you really have to change. And it will cause you to humble yourself and say, God, I can't do this without you. But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph and overcome in his name. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Because when I'm not feeling like I'm enough, I can know that Jesus stretched himself out on a cross for all of humanity. And he poured out his blood lavishly on all of us so that when we are not enough, his blood fills us and says that we're more than enough. If you believe it, say amen. I'm aware that I need a heart change every day. Psalms 51:10, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew. Renew. You know who said that? David. He had somebody killed and took her wife. His, his sons hated him, tried to kill him. He was a mess. The Bible still calls him a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was aware. He was aware of who he was, and he knew that next, standing next to the God he served, he said, God, I need you to renew this thing every day. I love it. David's walking out a process of sanctification before Jesus even comes to the earth. It's so beautiful because he, he's so aware that he's not enough. He's humble enough to know there's some changes that I got to make. I love this because my relationship with Jesus it gives me the freedom to live without the shame of the sinful desires in my heart because I have more of an internal desire 
to be like Jesus than to be like myself. The only way you can get, like, so I, I, like, I like to say it like this. is like knowing Jesus does not make me sin less. Becoming more like Jesus makes me sin less. Why? Because it, you, when Jesus starts to fill you up, it, it, there's no more room. Some of us have all kinds of space. And here's what I know. The spaces that you haven't given to Jesus, the enemy will invade. So I'm like, God, I need you to fill me up. Not just today. I need you to fill me up every day. Because I don't even want to leave room for the enemy to operate. Don't leave room. This is what holiness does. I, 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 I love this. Because the Greek phrase, when you say, are the pure, in the Greek, it's kartharos. It means free from corrupt desire, sin, and guilt. So what the pure in heart are doing is replacing corrupt desire with a desire to be more like Jesus. This is the heart condition that pleases God. And this was God's original design that dates back to the garden with Adam and Eve. This is not just something that Jesus brought to the earth. This was there in the beginning. Our hearts were never designed to live in the shame of our sin. They're not designed for that. I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about your spiritual heart. It was not designed for you to live in shame. Some people carry shame. The problem with shame is guilt is awesome because you know what guilt does? Guilt convicts you. Shame? Shame makes you feel like you cannot overcome what you are. Shame lies to you and tells you you are this when God has created you to be something else. That's what shame does. Shame wants to rob you of eternity. But that's not God's plan. God's plan was revealed in the beginning with Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2, 25, he says, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. That is God's plan for all of us. Exposed. No shame. Exposed. Stop hiding who you are and the things that God wants us to be open he wants us to be exposed because when you are open and exposed, shame has no place to hide in you. Open and exposed. There, I love this. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Their happiness was in the purity of their hearts. That's why they had no shame. They were pure. They hadn't sinned yet. So their hearts were pure. And because of this, they didn't even realize that nakedness we made nakedness wrong but nakedness in the beginning was not wrong I, please keep your clothes on i'm just saying <laughs> so you're like for real no <laughs> keep your clothes on <laughs> but it's the shame that made them realize their hearts were pure because they had no sin because they had no sin they had no shame and because they had no shame they could see and experience God. This is the beautiful part of no sin, no shame, because now it opens your spiritual eyes to your creator in ways that you've never experienced him before. So now let me ask you the question. It's not just, how's your heart? Let me ask you this question as we close. What do you see? What do you see? As the man comes back up, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's what we'll stay. For they will see God. The pure in heart will see God. I told you this at the beginning. The condition of your heart dictates what you see. The condition of your heart dictates what you see. Adam and Eve, though, before the fall of man, they had an experience with God because of the purity of their hearts. Now, I don't know if God was walking around the garden in human form so that they could literally like look in his face. I know we are created in his image, but what I also know is that they had conversations with God. They experienced God and God, whichever way he chose to manifest to Adam and Eve, the Bible says 
that they could hear him. As a matter of fact, it's very specific. It says they heard his footsteps. So God had a level of intimacy with Adam and Eve that he showed them a form of him that no one in human existence has ever experienced before. It says that God's presence shook the trees. It says that Adam heard a sound that was like footsteps. They saw or they experienced God in an intimate way because sin and shame had not yet come to the earth. What happened? Genesis 3, 6 through 10. Then the woman, then the woman, that's what I, I was waiting for that wonder, amen. I was waiting for that. Then the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it. She ate it. You're going to retract that amen when I read this next sentence. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. I always get to ask that question. How come Adam, how come like Eve, Eve took the fruit and then she, she like brought some to Adam? Adam, Adam wasn't off naming animals like he should have been doing. Where was Adam when Eve ate the fruit? He, she also gave some to her husband who was with, Adam was right there. You sure, girl? You sure? Girl, you sure? I'm just saying. I know he said what he should have did. Get that fruit out your hand, girl. He was right there. If you don't get that fruit out your hand, slap that thing out her hand. No, he was standing there. Girl? Girl? Girl, you sure? You know what he said, you, you sure? You fine, so you naked, you give me the fruit, I'm gonna eat it, I'm just saying, you sure? You sure? Slap that thing out that girl's hand. My wife see me eating something, she don't want me to get that out your hand. I'm like, all right, girl, all right. Then I sneak it later. <laughs> he was right there who was with her, and then he ate it. She was naked, I couldn't help myself. She was naked, she gave me a fruit. Then the eyes of both of them, verse seven, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized, they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then. The man and his wife heard a sound of the Lord and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that because this verse is like trying to really personify God. It's like even telling the atmosphere that he was walking. Like God was like, man, it's a nice day outside. Let me just walk around. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. What happened to humanity? Shame stopped them from seeing God. Shame stopped them from seeing God. And there's two reasons that it happened. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, they could see, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together. Here's what has happened to so many of us, and this has happened to me too. Because our eyes have been opened to shame, we can no longer see our Savior. Shame literally puts blinders on your eyes, and you can't see the person that you have such an intimate relationship with. But then verse 10, it says, he answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So I hid. 
people have heard God. He said, I answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. People hear God clearly, but because of shame, you put yourself in a position so that you cannot see him. How many people have heard the voice of God, but because of shame, they hide so that they cannot see him? It's not that he can't see you. Shame puts you in a position as to where you don't want to see him. I, I, I love that it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Shall see in the Greek is the word optonomi. Optonomi. And it has two definitions. One is to look at and behold. Look at and behold. But the other one is to allow oneself to be seen. Adam and Eve in the garden because of shame did not allow themselves to be seen by God and because of our shame some of us don't want God to see us because we're shamed no one in the world knows me better than my wife no one and I love my wife because she knows the real me she knows the me that none of you get to see she has literally seen me naked and I have no shame we have a level of int intimacy and I'm not just talking about sexually but like I can walk around in total freedom with my wife in total freedom and I know she can do the same with me it's a beautiful level of intimacy that is beyond sexual because she knows she knows my dreams, but she knows my fears. She knows my joy, and she knows my sorrow. She's literally seen me as emotionally, physically, and spiritually naked as any human on the planet can see me. She doesn't just see the best of me. She even sees the worst of me. But you know why I'm comfortable with her seeing even the ugly sides of me? It's because I trust her. I trust her. So I expose myself. I make myself vulnerable. Our level of intimacy is based on the level of trust that I have for her. And I realize people will show you who they truly are when they realize your intentions are pure. Because I know I can totally trust God. Not only am I comfortable with allowing him to see me in my victory, I'm also comfortable him to see me in my pain. Not only am I comfortable for him to see me in my triumph, I also allow him to see me in my weakness. There's a vulnerability that I have with God because I share an intimacy with him that I cannot share with anyone else. Why? Why do I do this with God? Because I know he won't take advantage of me. Some of you scared to expose yourself to God. And I don't know what kind of God you heard about. And I don't know what kind of God you serve. But the God I know will never take advantage of my heart. He's not a manipulator. He's not a liar. He's trustworthy. So I show him everything. I expose my heart to God because I know that he won't hurt it. If I expose my heart to God, I know that he can only heal it. This is the God that we serve. Because when you let God see your heart, you will finally begin to see him clearly. That's holiness. You trusting God enough to expose your heart to him so that he can see you, 
He can make you aware of some things and he will lovingly navigate you and walk you through how to change those things in you to be less of you and more of him. This is holiness. Hear me, family. Seeing God is not about what you see with your eyes. It's about how you experience God with your heart. The pure of heart, we can see God in scripture. This book comes alive every time I read it because I don't see anything but God's love when I read it. The pure of heart, I can see God in nature. I go outside and I love what Ricardo did during worship earlier today. He said, everybody take a deep breath. Do you know that the word ruach, it translates to the Holy Spirit. It also translates to a name of God, but it also translates to breath. And the way you're supposed to say it properly is that when you breathe in, ruach. You're supposed to be saying God's name even when you breathe. I see God in nature. I look outside. I see the grass. Where does it grow? Up. I look at trees. Where do they grow? Up. Everything that grows in nature grows in one direction towards the sun. I see God. I hear the waves roar. I hear worship in the distance. The pure in heart see God, not just in his word, not just in nature. I see God in people. I see God in you. Why? Because he made you. If I'm doing my job right, if I'm looking at people the right way, I don't, I don't see the human in them. I see the God in them. I can literally learn something by knowing each and every one of you. I can learn something about who God is because he took a specific part of his character and nature and put it in you and he didn't put it in anybody else because when God made you he broke the mold there's none like you so it only benefits me from knowing my brothers and sisters because when I know you I see God this is why church is beautiful because it's a collective or a collection of characteristics of God. And when we see the church as a whole, when we look at other as a whole, we should see God. I see God in everything. I see God in scripture. I see God in nature. I see God in people. But friends, rejoice because one day we will see God in heaven face to face when we walk on streets of gold as gates that are pearly opens as the choir sings his radiance will shine before us and we will worship him for all of eternity I can't wait till I get to see God face to face that's why the pure in heart are blessed because one day we will see him and that's why I have faith the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. If you look right now and you don't like what you see, stop saying what you see and say what he says. Listen, you're looking around and you say, I can't see. It's not a vision issue. It's a heart issue. If you look around your world and your universe and your experience and your season right now and you don't like what you see, stop confessing what you see and start saying what God says. We see I don't have enough. God says I am more than enough. We see this world is against us. God says, if you be for me, then who could be against me? We see the hurt in our past. God says, I don't care about the pain and the hurt of your past because by my stripes, I can heal every past 
present and future hurt that you will ever have. We see I'm not good enough. God says he is good and his love endures forever. We see shame. God sees us as sons and daughters. If you believe it in this place, stop confessing what you see and raise your hands and confess what God says about you. If you believe it, say amen. Come on. I made a decision for Jesus I turn away from who the world says I am and I open my eyes and I fix my eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of my faith and I walk every day it's a journey and it's not an easy journey church I'm doing it step by step and sometimes I take steps backwards but I keep on going I keep my eyes on him, trying my best to be holy, not being who I was, but I'm turning in. I'm not perfect, I'm being perfected because I want to be everything that Christ has called me to be. I don't know about you, but I live my life on a journey towards Jesus. That's holiness. And maybe you say, Pastor, I've been on a journey, but I've been walking in the wrong direction. It's time to change direction today. And it's time to start walking, not towards your perfection, but walk towards his perfection. Because in the process called sanctification, you trying to be holy, you will be perfected until God calls you home. And when you're in heaven, you will be perfect. I don't want to be who the world says I am. I don't want to be locked in a journey because of my sin and shame. I dropped sin and shame a long time ago because I got my eyes on Jesus. But it requires a decision. Some of you are on the journey like me. Some of you haven't even made a decision. You got to repent. You got to turn away from don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for another opportunity. You know what an opportunity is? A favorable time for the attainment of the goal. What's your goal? Be more like yourself or be more like Jesus? If you want to be more like Jesus, you have an opportunity right now. Right now. Every human in the sound of my voice, in this room or online, with every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple, my call is clear. I'm asking who needs Jesus in your life? Who needs to make a decision? Who needs to repent and say, I'm sick of living the way that I used to live. I'm changing once and for all. And I hope people tell me I've changed so I can say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing people to see the change in me. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Here online, on the count of three, I'm ready today to live a life that is holy and pleasing to Jesus. So I'm going to give Jesus not some of my life. I'm going to give him my whole life. I'm not going to give him some of my heart. I'm going to give him my whole heart. I'm going to fully expose myself to him so that he can change me from the inside out. If you want Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never said the prayer before, I welcome you. If you have said the prayer before and you know you ain't been living right, today is the day to make the change. I offer this for anyone who wants to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. No turning back. Today is the day. On the count of three, you want Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Don't look around. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about your family. They can't take your place in heaven. They can't stand before God for you. You have to do it for yourself. I have done it plenty of times and one day I'm finally stuck. That's why I'm here right now. I stand here as a broken man who had to be broken in order for Jesus to fix him. I offer the same resolution for you today. 
Jesus is the one and only answer. On the count of three, you want Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Don't worry about what other people are doing. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, hold it up high enough and long enough. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. Let me see it. Hold it up. Hi. I see you and 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 you. Keep that hand up. I said all those you's because I want you to know you are not alone. If your hand is up, this one of them churches where we call you down to the front. I want to pray with you. The Bible says, Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'm going to deny you in front of my father. I don't want to be denied by Jesus. I want to be accepted by Jesus. So if you raise your hand, come right now. Come. Let me pray for you. Come. Come. Don't wait. Come. 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 If you've never seen a miracle before, you're looking at one right now. We're a family, and I'm so proud of all of y'all that came down. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of y'all. My goodness gracious. Because you said, man, I'm going to make a decision. I'm, I'm going. I, don't, I, I, ain't worrying, I ain't worrying about nobody else. I'm doing this for me. And God's proud of you. But we're a family. So you never really had to do anything alone. If you out there and you say, man, I wanted to make that move, man, like these brave folks out here, but I was scared. That's okay. I want you right now to look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you want to go and you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab them by the hand and walk them down. I'm just going to provide just a little more. I just want to make sure before we get out of here that everybody is going to meet Jesus. I just want to make sure that this family reunion we have right now, I want to make sure we have it on the other side. Amen? Here we go. Five, oh, yeah, praise God. See? I know it. Yeah, as always. Yeah, I see you. I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure y'all moving because y'all leaving or y'all moving because y'all coming? Come, 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 yeah. Come on, man. It's a celebration. They clapping because it's a good thing. It's the best thing you could ever do with your life. The best thing. It's the best thing. Y'all coming too? Come on. It's all right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh man, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but it's not just the mouth part, it's the heart part. That's what we've been talking. If you believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead, you're saved. You don't have to know every book of the Bible. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to listen. Confess, believe. Confess, believe. I stand here as a person who God had to do a lot of work on and is still doing a lot of work on. But I thanks be to God that in all of it, I keep my eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. It's the greatest day of your life because it's your birthday. It's your birthday. So family, reach your hands towards them. If you're online, you want to raise your hand or reach your toy, you do that too. And maybe you're down here, you don't have to do this, but I'm giving a suggestion. Maybe you want to raise your hands. You say, why? God, I'm surrendering. I tried it my way. It ain't work. So I'm surrendering to you. Everybody in the sound of my voice, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I've, sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
man. Check this out. I can't open up the ceiling and show you. But the Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. If y'all could see like the spread that's laid out, like there's a choir right now that's better than Kanye West Sunday service choir. They're singing, angels break. It's turnt up in heaven right now. I can't show it to you, but I can help you hear what it sounds like. Because your family down here is going to help you. You see that? I'm from Carroll City. I can catch anything. I want to give each and every one of y'all this. There's a Bible in here. I think there's like a WWJD bracelet in here and like a note from me and my wife for you. It's our gift for you. I want to make sure you receive this because just our way to say that we love you and we want to encourage you on your journey. There you go, Stefan. You got hands. I like that. So here's what's going to happen. In the count of three, they're going to cheer. See that sign right there that says, welcome to the family? That's what you are. Look behind you. You got aunties, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, grandmas, grandpas. You got family behind you. They're going to cheer louder than everybody's been cheering at the Miami Heat games this season because we on top of the East, okay? They about to turn up for you. You're going to turn that way and walk. They're just going to take you to our courtyard right here. You're not getting raptured. It's not a part of a cult. Here's why. If you got questions about what you did, we're not scared of your questions and neither is God. I want you to be like, hey, what does this mean? We got team that can answer those questions. And I'll pop out there too, me and Joe, so we can love on y'all as well. But I want to make sure that people are being thorough and kind. And if you need prayer, they'll do that for you too. Is that okay? Is that all right? All right, cool. So on the count of three, y'all clap. Y'all clap like we just won the championship, all right? Because we did. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know that God loves you. Let them know that they're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let them know that they're special. Let them know that they're anointed. Let them know. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.